So welcome to the third episode of the Joseph M. Leather podcast. In this episode, I'm fortunate to have two brothers from Nashville, Tennessee, both co-owners of Potter and Sons, which is a shoe repair shop and Southern Polish that sells handcrafted sandals. Both businesses established in 2012, and you both also have a successful YouTube channel called Trenton and Heath, where you discuss shoe brands, shoe products, tutorials on shoe care, and also take viewers behind the scenes into your shop which has at this moment 209,000 subscribers. Welcome on the show, Trenton and Heath. Well, thank you very much for having us. We appreciate it. No, no, that's, that's all good. Um, so you guys have built like a, a really good reputation, especially online, probably over the past, since you've had your YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. But it hasn't been easy. Right. So how did you guys decide to become shoe cobblers? Shoe cobblers? <laughs> uh so we were both well i was in the corporate world and heath was a teacher here in in nashville and i just always wanted to we always wanted to do our own thing and um probably about 10 years ago i started a pickup and delivery shoe shine service on top of my full-time corporate job and we would do that you know late at night so throughout the day during lunch breaks we'd go around pick up shoes around nashville from different corporate buildings bring them home at night and heath and myself my dad and others would shine the shoes and then return them back to uh you know the different corporate buildings and people started asking us if we did shoe repair as well and uh, at the time we did not but my wife told me hey you need to tell them yes you do and we'll figure out something so um i teamed up with a local cobbler um here in nashville and i would take the shoes to him he would repair them you know and and we'd make a little bit of money that way and uh, about two or three months of doing that the uh cobbler told me that he wanted to retire from the business and wanted to know if we wanted to buy his business out and um heath and i and my dad uh bought it out and kind of went from there uh, Heath had been making shoes as sort of a side hobby for several years and had learned the art form of how to, you know, make bespoke shoes. So I figured if he knew how to do that, we could easily repair shoes. And uh, that was kind of a whole new learning process of its own. But that's kind of what gave us the confidence to do it. And one by one, we kind of quit our day jobs and, you know, took on the full shoe repair job as a uh, full time gig. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've heard that story about how you were picking up shoes and shining them. Like, how long was your lunch break? Did you have enough time to yeah, get back no, to it? Yeah, so what I would do, um, I would take it by little parts of town. Okay. So maybe the north, the north side on one day, the south side on another day. Yeah. And it was myself and Heath, my wife. I mean, we had everybody in the family that oh, would kind of cool. help out because obviously I'm working a full-time job. I can't go out forever. So I would pick up some shoes and they would go over to this part of town and pick up some shoes. And so it was a full family and friend affair. And that's uh, that's how we kind of started it. Yeah. So So when you made that decision to quit your day jobs and then like fully embrace like going to shoe shoe repairing how what was the how did your families take that and what was their re- their reaction <laughs> um well i remember we we pitched the idea uh to our parents uh after we bought them a couple of beers to loosen them <laughs> up and um 
but they were they've always been very supportive of us and uh very blessed to have two wives that are very supportive mm-hmm. um with it, it, that wasn't our first kind of weird idea that we've come up with and um so we, we figured this one sounded better than some of the past ones yeah and yeah and one thing that kind of gave a little bit more uh i guess positivity or, or hope for this working out is this business had been a shoe cobbler business here in town for about 30 years yeah, yeah. so it was also in a very i guess you would say affluent uh, more affluent area of town so there were a lot of really high-end shoes that came to that shop every mm-hmm. week and that's what kind of gave us the confidence to do it you know yeah. if it had been a you know business that looked like it was on the outs we probably wouldn't have bought it but this one yeah. was doing quite well so we knew we could buy it and grow it a lot bigger yeah you stood up really nice as well like I see the before and after pictures that you did, and it you know, oh yeah, it did out really nice. And we tried to clean it up as much as possible. We wanted to really our goal was at least here in the U.S. Barber shops are kind of making a comeback. So yeah, same. You know, what, used, what used to be just a little you know small mom and pop type barber shop is now turned into a place. You know, most places around town where you know they're trying to attract the young youthful customer, the older guy that just wants to come in and have some bourbon or whatever while he relaxes. Yeah. And we knew that we could kind of do that for shoe repair. Uh, yeah. Most shoe repair shops, I mean, no disrespect, but when you go into most of them, they look like they're about to collapse. They've been there for years, yeah. and it just clutter everywhere. Yeah, clutter everywhere. And we were, we told ourselves, you know, let's make this a very high end establishment yeah. where people are like, hey, I want to take my high end shoes there, and that's yeah. kind of what we tried to do. Yeah. When you're dealing with high end shoes, is there? Um, like obviously you don't want to ruin those people's shoes and that sort of stuff. It, it was pretty much just a lot slower. Okay. Yeah. So we, we, we knew the process and we knew how to do it. Yeah. Um, it was just, it's going to take a lot longer because you're still having to try to think about each step. Yeah. Um, you know, but now it's just come natural that you, you can focus on the details. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as our business has grown and especially since we've been on YouTube, we've gotten a lot more higher end shoes. You know, before we would get, you know, Allen Edmonds and and whatnot, or Johnston Murphy. Um, Those were the two big ones around here. Mm -hmm. Um, But then as we've gotten bigger, now all of a sudden you start getting, you know, George Cleverly and John Lobbs and things that you definitely do not want to mess the shoe up or it's going to cost you a lot of money to to fix. So uh, it's just repetition. We can't, we know we've gotten faster and better at what we've done. No, that's, that's awesome. Did you ever want to? Did you ever want to quit? Like, was it was uh, there ever a point where it was just like, yeah, now this? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure every entrepreneur at some point has said, "That's it, I'm done." Yeah. Why did I ever do this? But um, yeah, you you get those. We got those feelings every now and then. Every like, now and then. Yeah, yeah. It, it's mainly. I wouldn't say it's one of those things where. Um, you know, we've, we've all you know, ever hated what we did, but like you said, with most things, you know, you maybe have one of those days and it's usually been from where we have so much business coming in yeah. and it's just the two of us that we just feel overwhelmed. Yeah. And we, you know, we're like, how are we ever going to work through all these shoes in, yeah. a, in a, you know, fast time frame? And, and that's what can sometimes actually uh, for us can, you know, weigh on us a little bit at times. But yeah. other than that, I mean, we love what we do. And I think that makes all the difference. Yeah. No, I, I think I think shoe shoe repair is just a beautiful craft. Like some of the videos I've seen that you guys do, it's just oh, it's just yes, yeah, gorgeous. Some of oh, the, thank it's, you. It's it's, a, it's it's like a work of art. 
you know, it's just, yeah, I think with, you know, with like most things, what, at least for me, um, I like to take something that's worn out and you see, I like to be able to see a finished product and how you've made it better. Mm. So every shoe that we work on, whether it's, you know, just replacing a, a toe tap or whether it's a complete resole, it always looks better than when it came in. And I yeah. think that's what kind of keeps you going. It's, it's like a project that has a finish and what you put into it is what you get out of it. And yeah. it's the little details that I like to do that, you know, that's kind of keeps me going and yeah. gives me, brings satisfaction to it. Yeah. So, so it's just, it's just you and Heath repairing shoes. You don't have any staffers. Yeah. So it, wow. Heath and I are the ones that do primarily all of it. Uh, we've had a few people off and on throughout the years that would maybe come in and help us out. Yeah. Um, you know, they, somebody would come in and take off the soles and get everything prepped for us. Um, so that kind of speeds things up so that we can go in and resole it. Uh, but yeah, at the current time, it, it's just Heath and I, and then, um, we have our parents and another guy that works for us that runs the other portion of the shop because we have an online yeah. store and some yeah. polish and all that as well. So uh, it, it's quite a few people at work for us, but just doing the shoe repair, yeah, it's just Heath and I. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, that's impressive. So then how did your YouTube channel come about? Because, yeah, you've been around since 2012. and Yeah, yeah so we, we've been around since 2012. Um and we, yeah, we bought our shoe repair shop in 2014. Okay, yeah. And then, yeah, I think we started YouTube about a year and a half ago. Yeah. Um, it was just one of those things where, you know, it, I guess everybody as a whole is watching YouTube. And I would see people from other diff- other careers doing fun things. And I just thought to myself, I don't know the first thing about videotaping myself and making an entertaining video, but maybe that's something we should do. Mm-hmm. And we can teach people about shoes because I think what really brought it around was every day we would have customers come into our shop, mostly men, and they didn't know how to take care of their shoes. Yeah. And, you know, most people were so afraid to polish their own shoes. I said, no, you're not going to mess it up. Trust me, it's easy to take care of your shoes. You just need to do it. Yeah. And no one was putting shoe trees in their shoes. No one knew how to polish shoes nowadays. So that's what really started it. Uh, yeah. Ethan and I thought to ourselves, you know, let's start a YouTube channel and we'll teach people what we know about shoes. And hopefully we'll kind of get people back into that mindset nowadays of, hey, let's take care of what we have. Because I feel like that's a, a passing thing that people just don't do as much anymore. Yeah. And um, we, we want to try to bring that back. And that's really what started it. Yeah. Yeah, I think there has been an explosion of like the the menswear especially like traditional menswear you know like suiting and shoes and that sort of stuff but you reminded me of a of a story that i wanted to tell you there so me and my my mate we went into uh we bought a pair of thursday boots each so i bought some loafers and he bought some the rugged and resi- resilient ones because they're, they're sort of that suede material mm-hmm. yep. and was, and um He's like, oh, how do I take how do I take care of them? And I'm just like, I don't, I don't really own a pair of sweats. Like the you guys did a video on like rugged and resilient. I didn't even watch it. I just sent it straight to him. Was like, just watch this. It'll be, <laughs> you'll be fine. So yeah. that, that is, yeah, it's 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 uh, such a help. You know, a lot of times it's it's the questions that we get from people mm-hmm. um, in the comment section or people email us all the time that kind of give us ideas on what folks are wanting to learn. Yeah. Um, and that one regarding the rough and uh, well, whatever rug and resilient from Thursday, 
uh, we receive that question so many times yeah. and that's why uh, we were like, okay, well, let's make a video on that. So um, that's what we try to do. Yeah. No, no thanks for that. Appreciate it because uh, he's all set now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, good. Um, yeah. I, I don't like seeing people ruin their shoes and, and that's definitely, I remember when, as soon as that video came out, I received so many comments from people saying, oh, I didn't know that and I've already put you know, shoe cream all over my boots and it ruined oh. the color, you know, and I was like, yeah, I had a feeling. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's why, that's why I'm not really a big fan of suede and what's, because it's like, it's just so much effort to take care of. It's like, just have vegetable yeah. tan. It's just, don't need to worry about it. <laughs> just shoe, shoe yeah. cream and all that. It looks good, but it can kind of be a pain to, to take care of. Yeah. Um, what was your, the first viral video and how did you take it? Our first video? A viral video. So oh, viral. Um, our first viral video was a uh, John Lobb shoe that came in to our shop from a customer. And he had had them for years and just completely beat them up. And I don't think he ever did anything to them. And they had holes in them and they just looked off. Leave these because this would make a great video. And that was probably four or five months after we started our channel. And that was our first viral video. And it, our channel grew a lot after that. Yeah. So how has your brand handled with the growth of your YouTube channel? Uh, it's grown quite a bit. In fact, we've had to just take a two week uh, break on having people mail in their shoes just yeah. to get caught up. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've, you know, we've been fortunate, um, like I said, because we have our parents who are retired and they've come and help out. Um, there's no way Heath and I would be able to do everything just by ourselves anymore. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then for our for Southern Polished, you know, we're, we're looking to bring people on for this spring because that brand started to grow so much because of YouTube. So we're, we're in the process of trying to hire people right now to to help us out because yeah it's amazing you know when you kind of open yourselves up to a worldwide audience you know sales can go up a bit <laughs> yeah do you do you get shoes from overseas come in or is it just okay. mainly domestic it's mostly domestic but we get quite a few from all around the world yeah any from australia yeah we've had yeah we've had, had a few oh, okay. yep that's all right um yeah it's some of the places people want to send their shoes from sometimes it's crazy i think they pay more in shipping than what the shoe costs but yeah some, some people do it yeah do you do you prefer shoe shining or shoe repairing uh i mean they both i mean i'm more of the shoe polisher guy yeah um that's more relaxing yeah <laughs> yeah if, if it's not too difficult i mean yeah that's that's more of a relaxing you know after the shoe's already been resold that's like the finishing touch yeah um the shoe you know shoe resoles and stuff i think depending upon the shoe sometimes it can be a little stressful but you know they're fun in their in their own ways mm -hmm. yeah so this is a question for heath so how did you get into making shoes because yeah i think sh making shoes is just absolutely beautiful uh well i've always been kind of a hands-on i've always I'm, I'm the type that would want to take apart a toy when i was little yeah. just to see how it works so um and i like working with my hands so 
I think I, it, I, I believe it was actually a YouTube video that I saw a long time ago and, um, and showed some guy making a pair of shoes. And I was like, that's pretty cool. I like working with leather. Um, I bet you I could do that. So I just started researching, reading a lot of books, um, emailing a lot of shoemakers and getting on eBay and finding a lot of hand tools from, you know, most of them are coming from Europe or Israel. And, uh, yeah, I, I remember I made my first pair of shoes. I've still got them. Um, they weren't very good, but, uh, I kept them, you know, just nonetheless. And then yeah. it just, every pair got better and better and better. So mm-hmm. it was well, just, it was just for fun. Yeah. So, so what types of shoes are you, are you sort of inspired by? Is it? I like just or... kind of a traditional English, you know, dress shoe. Yeah. Very classic. Yeah. No, that's nice. That's good. Yeah, because I, I, I looked into trying to make shoes because I don't teach shoes, like how to make shoes where around where I'm living. Yes, yeah, it's, it's such a different, like from making wallets and belts and that sort of stuff, it's just a whole different skill level to to get into, so... No, it's, it's amazing. If, if you're good at working with leather and just working with your hands, then you'd be surprised at how, I wouldn't say easy, but more natural it would it would come to you. Yeah. Okay. No, thanks for that. Um, so this is easy. So I want to go into the questions on shoes. And, and my, my auntie, she always tells me that a woman always looks at a man's shoes. Like she just, that's something she always says to me. Um, so what us, what should us guys slash girls look for in a pair of shoes? So this is someone who absolutely has no idea when it comes to leather, stitching, just your bare bone basics. Uh, aside from, I mean, obviously going back to what your, um, you said your aunt would say that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's very old school, and it, it rings true today. You know, just take care of your shoes because people are going to be looking at it, and it's going to stand out. Um, I would also say if you're going to choose a pair of shoes, choose something that's not necessarily in style yeah. um, or should we say f- fashionable, but go with something that's classic, you mm-hmm. know, because we all remember back in the 90s and early 2000s, people had the square-toed shoes, and that was that was all the rage at the time. But I mean, you, you look at it now, and it's just not gonna it's not gonna last you as long. So yeah. if you if you kind of research what's classic and all that, that's gonna go a lot further and um, benefit you longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I c- completely agree with that. Um, you, you look back to like the 1950s or 40s, and that style's still in, like the mm-hmm. it's uh, yes, yeah, yeah, it's amazing how the the classic just doesn't sort of just moves, uh, yeah. moves along and it sort of stays. Yeah, it in. tends to uh, stick around for a while, which is which is a good thing. Yeah, and I guess if it was good enough for our granddads, it's probably good enough for us today. Yeah. <laughs> so this is probably similar to the previous question. So the biggest mistake men and women make in a pair of shoes. Uh, definitely just looking at the price tag and, and going cheap um, and what's totally fashionable. Yeah. Uh, and what I say, what I mean is I realize everyone has a budget, 
But I know so many people, for example, when I was in corporate America working, I knew guys that, you know, made very good money, but they just didn't know what good quality was. So yeah. they would go out and buy five or six pairs of $100 shoes. All in the same style, but in different yeah. colors. <laughs> yeah. And then those shoes wind up falling apart in six months yeah. rather than going and buying a couple of pair of really high quality shoes for the same amount of money. And yeah. it's going to last them for 10 years or more. Uh -huh. um, but again, I think that's, especially in today's throwaway societies, we're just, it's too easy to get, you know, just go in, you buy a bunch of shoes that cost 50 bucks or whatever, and you just throw them away when they're done. Uh -huh. And our kind of our goal is to educate people on why it's more important and why it's more advantageous to sink a little bit more money into a higher quality shoe that's going to last you for decades. Yeah. Um, and I, that, that's kind of what I see happening a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I can also, uh, I, I've only been thinking about this recently about picking shoes according to like the, the weather that you live in. Cause I know that for, for like where I live in Australia, it's very, it's, it's hot in summer. So, mm -hmm. you know, loafers are, are great for summer. Whereas, you know, yeah. So I find it, whereas if you're living somewhere in Russia or, <laughs> Where it's snowy yeah. all the time, it's you know you're not going to wear a pair of loafers around. So, yeah, um, and, th and that's the thing too. Even because we hear folks say that a lot. Well, I just don't wear like nice shoes because I live in LA, you know, where it's hot or something. Yeah. Um, but just going back to like the loafers, for example, you know, there's a lot of people that will send us questions saying, "Hey, I've got this pair of loafers or this pair of driving moccasins. Can they be resold?" And a lot of times because of the overall construction of that leather or that loafer, they can't be, you know, and then they're disappointed when we tell them that and they have to throw them away. Yeah. But there's a lot of loafers out there made by the same companies that make dress shoes that make very high quality loafers. Yeah. Um, so, you know, no matter where you're at, no matter what the atmosphere or the, you know, the temperature or whatnot, there's, um, there's generally a higher quality shoe that you can buy that'll suit you just as well. Yeah. But a yeah. lot of people just don't know that, you know? Yeah. I got, I got a pair of tassel loafers I've picked up, I think last year, two, what would have been two years ago now? I forgot when we're in the new year, but, um, cause they're, they're mainly leather. They're sort of like a European design, but they breathe so well, you know, you, and you mm -hmm. wouldn't expect that, um, you know, you'd think, you know, more flip-flops are what you should wear in hot weather, but because of these, are, they're just leather, um, you know, the inside of it is quite bare. Yeah. They're, they're good for summer. So. Yeah. It, here in Tennessee, it's it's the same. It's hot um, for, you know, most of the year and hot and humid. So, and I love loafers and yeah. I mean, multiple pairs of mine are unlined. Yeah. Um, and it's just you you got to know your environment and then you got to go to find those reputable shoes and trust me you're, there's something for everybody mm -hmm. um so but a lot of times too the higher quality leathers will actually breathe a lot better mm -hmm. than say going and buying a 50 pair of 50 dollar pair of loafers that are made from like a synthetic a synthetic leather yeah. and it's going to make your feet sweat the whole time yeah. So it might be more beneficial to pay 150 200 dollars on a loafer that's going to last 10 years but the leather is much higher quality and your feet are going to breathe easier. So, you know, it's little things like that, that like I said, we're, you know, trying to, to teach people what to look for. Yeah. 
What um I'm sorry. What do you wear when it snows? Because I've, I've never seen snow in real life. Like, I've seen it from an airplane. But yeah, there's I'm, snow outside right now in Nashville. Oh, so, yeah. I'm so jealous. Like, I want to have a. It doesn't snow very much here. In fact, uh, oh. my kids were excited today because they didn't have to go to school because snow. They woke up. There was no snow last night, but when they woke up, there was a little bit of snow. Uh, so we we don't have a lot of experience with snow. Yeah. Uh, but, but to answer your question, it, I mean, we get a lot of people that like boots are a big one. Yes. Um, yeah. And you'll find that a lot of people that live in snowy conditions, especially up north here in the U.S., will get a lot of rubber sole shoes mm-hmm. or boots. Yeah. So while you may see a lot of people wearing leather sole shoes in the summer and spring and the fall and winter, they will send their shoes in and maybe want to have, you know, a different type of rubber sole put on to give a little more traction and you know, it doesn't absorb the water as easily as like leather does. Yeah. And like, if you get snow on like the upper, it's, that will just, if you just um, leave it to dry out, that's all fine. It's not going to, because yeah, I'm just intrigued. So I've never, like, if I went to the snowy climate, like, what do you, what do you take? Uh, it, it depends on kind of what you're going to be doing. I mean, yeah. if you're in downtown New York and, you're in business, then you're just going to want something with rubber with a little bit of tread, you know, like a yeah. day night sole. Um, the, I mean, Vibram has now come out with their Arctic grip uh, that can apparently, I'd, I'd like to test it, but you can walk on ice with it. Um, and then if you're, if you're, you know, more of an activity guy, then any type of Vibram that's going to have a tread. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, rubber's just going to get you a lot further. Um, it insulates really well and uh, gives you the grip. Yeah, and then as far as the uppers go, um, I mean, if it's a dress shoe, you know, if you put wax on it, that'll a lot of times that'll protect the shoe or you could spray weatherproofer on there and that'll repel a lot of the water and snow. Um, yeah. So again, even when it comes to the uppers, there's there's different products and that you can put on your different leathers. And it also depends on you know, what type of leather material are, are on the uppers. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's like a YouTube, it's like a live YouTube comment section for me right now. <laughs> so I got all, yeah. I got like questions that I was like, oh, you were talking about quality leather. Um, yeah, so sort of, I guess, explain to someone if, you know, someone, if you said, you know, a quality leather dress shoe, so you'd be looking at vegetable tan. Chrome Excel, how does that go? Is that breathable? Because I'm not really an expert on Chrome XL. I'm more of a vegetable tan guy. Uh, Chrome XL is, it's an old leather. Yeah. Uh, so basically it's, it's still a, you know, mostly a full grain uh, leather, you know, but they, they just infuse oils and, you know, different, uh, different recipes that like Horween uses. And it just allows it to be, great in the winter time or just in the elements oh really okay. uh, it, it, it allows water to from my experience water can wick off a lot easier yeah okay so you'll have you know vegetable tan you'll have chrome tan and then you can actually have <laughs> uh chrome with a veg retan so it's almost like a, a hybrid of both of them yeah you'll have full grain and then you can have you know um top grain and then then you, there's actually shoes made with corrected grain. And so you, a lot of times you can get these shoes that have like a corrected 
grain and then they color over it, uh, put like a top coat over it, has a built-in shine. Uh, sometimes you'll see a lot of, um, I guess you say cheaper shoes that it's not patent leather, but it's got a kind of a built-in shine to it. And a lot of times that's coming from the tannery and it's, it, it's not going to breathe or last as long. Mm-hmm. Do you, is their shoes made of bridal leather? Um, yeah, I mean, I work a lot with bridal leather. Thing. If, favorite if you can get it thin enough that you can, uh, um, I don't know if I've ever handled a pair or seen a pair made, but yeah. I don't see why you couldn't, as long as it's thin enough. Um, cause you know, most of your bridal is going to be full vegetable tan leather mm-hmm. yeah. and, um, veg is a little harder to last and make a mold into a shoe. A lot harder than um, uh, like a chrome leather. Yeah, it's it's not as flexible. And you being a leather man, you've felt the difference between the two. Um, but well, I, I mean, I don't see why not as long as it's thin enough. Yeah. Okay. Give it a shot. <laughs> yeah, because that's why I thought I'd ask. Because I've never like seen a pair of bridal leather shoes, so I just thought maybe you guys might have come across them. Because I was, you know, you see like Shell Quarter Van, Suede, Chrome XL. Yeah. yearling and it's like is there any bridal leathers out there but maybe someone will come up with the idea um so so for your person who comes up to you and says what leather should i use so you'd say for a beginner maybe go with chrome excel for making maybe, a shoe yeah for picking a shoe uh, i would probably start off with uh like goat Uh, Just because they're smaller hides and they're cheaper. Mm -hmm. And um, then if you make some mistakes, you're not out the highest, you know, like the price of like calfskin. But if you want, if you want to jump straight to calfskin, then yeah, you can do that. Um, I know there are, and I've made uh, multiple pairs that out of um, just like an English kip, natural veg tan uh, calf. And you know, and dyed it myself. It's it's a little bit you know, it's a little bit harder to mold than once again chrome. But if you're gonna make your first pair, you know, and you don't want to waste leather, yeah. then I'd probably start off with like a, a goat skin or something. Okay. And and if you were if you were buying a pair of shoes, like you would, if I were gonna buy a pair of shoes, I'd yeah, just, I'd get calf skin. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Blake Stitch first Goodyear welt. Um, sort of explain the the two differences. Sure. Yeah. So uh, a Blake Stitch is going to be a lot, usually a lot thinner um, mm-hmm. in the overall construction. The stitch is going to be held onto the. Um, I mean, the sole is going to be held onto the shoe by the needle going through the bottom of the shoe and up into the footbed. And so if you look inside, you'll be able to see the stitches. Um, I mean, unless they're covered up with like a, a liner, sock liner, but the stitches actually go inside the shoe and penetrate through the upper. So you can't usually resole those as many times because eventually it's going to turn to Swiss cheese. Yeah. Um, as opposed to a Goodyear welt where all the stitching is being done on that strip of leather going around. And then if that ever gets worn down, you can always cut that piece of leather off, stitch on another welt, and then you're back in the ball game. Yeah. It's a little bit more robust also in construction than a Blake stitch. So 
Um, Blake Stitch is going to be less break-in time, a little bit more comfortable straight out. Yeah. And how does Blake Stitch handle in water? Is it a lot like in wet weather? Does it absorb more water or compared to the Goodyear well? It will, uh, I would probably say it would strictly because um, your insole is just pretty much sitting straight on top of your sole. So as you, your, your sole gets wet, it's going to go through a lot less layers where normally on a um, good year about to chew, you're going to have a cavity that's going to be filled with cork. And so there's just going to be an extra layer. Uh, your yeah. foot's going to be separated from the pavement a little yeah. bit more in a good year well than with a Blake stitch. But um, I mean, I wear, I've got multiple pairs of Blake stitch and I've never really had an issue with them, especially if you rotate your shoes. Yeah. If you're wearing them all the time in wet weather, then you're going to have an issue. But I, I, I haven't. Yeah, I have one pair of Blake stitch shoes and they look so European. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a very... Yeah, you'll see a lot more of the Blake stitch shoes, especially down in uh, like Italian made shoes. Yeah. Um, a lot of those are going to be Blake stitch. Yeah. It just or, has that or, lower profile to it. It's a very Mediterranean yeah. kind of style shoe. A lot of Gucci's, a lot of Ferragamo's mm-hmm. um, are Blake stitched. Yeah. So, so they, have, they have a sleeker, sportier look to them. Yeah, yeah, and because it's sort of a Mediterranean climate where I am, like it's not very, it's not hu- probably humid less than ten times a year. So, yeah, it's a, uh, um, yeah, you can wear them. How often can you resole them? Because that's sort of the question on my mind. Because I've never had them resold before. I mean, you can you can have them resold any time. It's just how many times you yeah. can have them resold. Yeah. Yeah, is uh, I would probably say if it's a good quality constructed shoe, um, and you could, I would say, th- I conservatively, know. I'd say three. About three, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you might be able to get more out of that, um, but I would say just be on the safe side. Three. If it's a not so quality shoe, uh, you know, high end shoe, the leather is just going to be a lot softer, um, and it, it's going to tear easier. Yeah. So. And a lot of that has to do with the insole. If any, if you have a, a Blake stitch shoe that's made, the insole is constructed on vegetable tan leather versus like um, paperboard, paperboard or leatherboard, leatherboard, something like that. Then you're gonna that's gonna hinder yeah. being able to resole it. That veg tan, you're gonna get a lot more resoles out of. Yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at my Blake sh- stitch shoes now, just to <laughs> lot. Yeah, try to take in what you're saying. Uh, I'll move into shoe care now. So. This is sort of, so a shoe care routine. What would you recommend? So should you polish every week? Um, so when- I think a lot of it just depends upon how often you wear the shoes. Yeah. I um, mean, if you have a a pair or two that you wear several times a week, then you're you're going to want to care for them more often than a pair that maybe you wear once or twice a month. Yeah. Um, but I mean, most shoes, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of pretty much two main products. One, I'm being conditioner and the other being shoe cream. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I think if you apply some shoe conditioner to your shoes, you know, maybe once a month or, you know, once every two months and then, you know, maybe a couple of times a month, apply some shoe cream. Uh, the shoe cream does a good job of putting the color back into the shoe. Yeah. Um, and it also, a lot of shoe creams have a little bit of wax and conditioner in there as well. So you're kind of getting the benefits of both. 
and that's what's kind of going to bring out a shine on your shoes. Not nothing major like wax will, but with those two products, I think everybody out there would be good to go with pretty much just a shoe conditioner and shoe cream. Yeah. Um, and then of course, you know, then at that point, if you want to add some wax for a much glossier look to the shoe or to add a little bit of protection to the leather, um, then you can do that. But it's not anything that you have to apply once a week. Um, I think sometimes people overthink it and, you know, they, they think they have to put everything on their shoe every single week. And, you know, it's a bit much leather can only take so much, um, you know, it can only absorb so much. So, you know, just, I kind of tell people, look at your shoes. If the leather looks dried out or it looks scuffed up, you know, then go ahead and and apply some products and you're good to go. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it's, it's that simple. And and also you guys have a, easy tutorial as well to, to follow on your YouTube channel that I, that I watch just to make sure I'm doing everything right. Yeah. Is. Yeah. We've tried to put, you know, as much out there as possible. Yeah. Um, especially with a lot of, you know, what products do we think are going to be, you know, cause a lot of, you have some guys that are really into shoes, right. Mm-hmm. And they'll buy every single color of shoe cream and every single color of wax. And I mean, that's what they enjoy. That's their hobby. Yeah. And then you have most people that just, you know, hey, I, I live, I have to wear my shoes. If I have to take care of them, what do I absolutely need? Um, and that's what we try to have videos for, for most of those people too. So we try to get down to the nitty gritty and answer, you know, what are the basics to buy if you are trying to put together a shoe shine kit or or take care of your shoes. Yeah. Yeah, my, my first good pair of shoes were some RM Williams and I got them la- yeah. two years ago. And I was polishing them like every single week, so that so doing that is a no is is no go. So it's probably you'd say once every two weeks. Yeah. So yeah, it, you definitely don't you definitely don't have to do it that often. Okay, uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, one of the things that we see people do a lot, and this was always a sort of a big pet peeve of ours, is so many people grew up just waxing their shoes or their boots and that's all they ever use just wax 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 and you know after a while too much wax will actually damage the leather mm-hmm. and a lot of people just weren't taught that so you'll start to see the leather especially along the vamp area or this part of the leather where your foot bends and you'll start to see the leather cracking after a while mm-hmm. and a lot of that is due to putting so much wax that the leather can't breathe or absorb conditioners anymore and also using a wax that has a lot of synthetic ingredients Mm -hmm. in it yeah Yeah. so that's why we tell people you know wax is good but you also you really want to make sure that maybe you're using a shoe cream and or just conditioner much more often than you are wax yeah because because i only put like i don't really use wax like i might use just like one layer of wax but if Mm -hmm. you if you repolish your shoes you know two weeks later or three weeks later will the will the polish actually get through the wax will it sort of sit on top of the wax how does it yeah so i'm a bit um, cautious about wax. i'm kind of like you i have a lot of a lot of shoes obviously but i'm not one of those guys that likes to have a glossy mirror shine on my shoes that's just not my style yeah so what i normally do is just put a light coat or two of wax on my shoes and especially when they're brand new and I do that just for protection from rain and stuff like that. And then, you know, if you're just putting a light coat or two, then you can, it'll still absorb shoe creams and shoe conditioners. Okay. Um, yeah. It's when you start putting layer after layer after layer of wax that it starts to build up so thick 
that it, at that point it won't be able to absorb anything. So if, you, if you're one of those people out there that has so much wax on their shoes that you start thinking, hey, it's probably time for me to condition my shoes, then what you'll have to do is get a product that will strip off all of that wax yeah. and get it back down to bare bones. And then you can condition and polish your shoes and then build that wax back up again. And and that was my next question, when to strip your shoes? Because I, I feel like I need to strip my RM Williams because they're sort of, they're very gloss, like they're, they're quite, they look like they're patinaed, but I think that's because of the polish I've put on over and over time. So when... Yeah, I mean- you can usually tell, um, yeah. you know, sometimes you'll start to get your, the, the, the wax will start to crack in some areas, uh, mm-hmm. to where it just doesn't look like it has that smooth gloss to it anymore. Um, when that starts happening, it's probably a good time to strip it off. Um, you know, if it's been a while, like several months since you've had a chance to condition your boots, boots or shoes, you'll want to go ahead and strip it off. Um, so maybe twice a year. Yeah, maybe twice a year. Oh, okay, if you're twice. one of those guys that really adds a lot of polish or wax to their shoes, then yeah. I, you know, a couple of times a year would be a good, you know, two or three times a year would be fine. Yeah, yeah. Because I was thinking of I was thinking of stripping them like roundabout now, so I know that next year, like next January, I can re-strip them, so I have that time frame in in my. Can can you do the same thing with Chrome XL leather or can't? Strip so with Chrome XL leather. You generally don't want to add a lot of wax to Chrome XL, okay. if any, uh, because Chrome XL leather is infused with oils at the yeah. factory. And the whole point of it is to be kind of a water resistant, rugged type of leather. Uh, so that's not, and it's it, so you don't need to add wax to it. Uh, for one, it's not going to accept wax and it's not going to hold a shine because it's an oily leather. So it's trying to, it's like adding wax to oil. You know, it's just, you're not going to get. You know, it's not going to mix well. Um, so generally you want to save your waxes for smoother leathers, you know, like calf skin or, you know. And I wouldn't really re- recommend using a stripper on uh, the Chrome XL either just yeah. because you're going to you're gonna strip out a lot of those natural oils, uh, oils and ingredients that they, they infuse into it. So um, Chrome XL is a very forgiving leather. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you, you know, it's you, a, also very easy leather. Yeah, you get you get a scuff on it, you can pretty much kind of like rub it out. Um, and if you're really ever wanting to deep clean Chrome XL or just oil tan leather, you know, I'll just use saddle soap, you know, and and just clean over it to get off whatever buildup you have, and then just put some conditioning oils okay. back onto it, and you're and you're good to go. Yeah. So it's uh, like I said, yeah, it's a very easy. And there's conditioners that are made for old leather. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I thought you could just use um, a wax. I mean, not a wax, a shoe cream on the Chrome XL. Because I was, I polished my Thursday loafers with the Chrome X, um, with, with the shoe cream. But because mm-hmm. one of the things that, because it scuffs quite easily. So there's some scuff marks around the toe. Mm-hmm. You would just rub them to so the end them out. What or? I'll normally do, uh, because I have several pairs of Chrome XL boots. Um, I don't like a lot of shine on, on that leather and sometimes the shoe creams, you know, if you put, put it on over and over and over, you know, shoe creams have waxes in them. So especially depending upon what brand you have, like Saphir has a lot of wax in there. So it'll start to give kind of a shine and it takes away that, that, I don't know, the overall Chrome XL look to it. Mm -hmm. And so I will only, I will use 
shoe pigmented shoe creams on my Chrome XL leather only if there's a scratch. And I might put a little bit of cream on just that spot and use it sparingly. And then I'll go over the whole boot with, you know, oils or conditioners made for oil tan leathers. Okay. Um, I generally don't use it all over my, you know, my oil tan leathers, uh, but that's personal preference. You know, it's not going to hurt it to use yeah. a shoe cream. Um, but yeah, to your point, as far as, you know, trying to cover up scuffs, I do the same thing, but I'll just, I'll just put it on those scuffed areas instead of the whole boot or shoe. Yeah. So you, you won't have to condition Chrome XL at all with. Yes. With, with those old conditioners, uh, there are certain conditioners that are made for oil okay. and you can actually get those in uh, certain pigments too. So, okay. uh, usually Very they're, they're not, um, there's not like a whole bunch of different colors usually in these type of things, but your basic colors, yeah, you can get them and it's actually pigmented conditioner for old leather. Yeah. Okay. And is that, is that similar with shell cordovan? You... So shell cordovan is just a different, uh, it's not really a leather. It's a, a it's a horse membrane. So yeah. shell cordovan is actually a horse and then Chrome XL and most other leathers are, generally our cow. Um, but yeah, you, you would treat shell cordovan a little differently than you would a lot of other leathers. Um, because of the fiber structure of shell cordovan, uh, there are certain creams that are made for shell cordovan. Uh, they don't have a lot of synthetics or any uh, materials in there that are going to start breaking down those fibers. So, um, you know, usually on a shell cordovan shoe, I, I recommend our customers to use a shoe cream um, that's, that's made specifically for shell cordovan and, yeah. and yeah, and you can get those in pigmented colors as well to match, you know, to match your shoes. Yeah. And, and with suede and that rugged and resilient, it's mainly just waterproofing don't apply. Um, yeah, for suede, it's, you know, it, suede is actually, it, it gets dirty easily, but it's yeah. not too difficult to, to mess up, you know, unless you put it, unless you put something oily on it. Um, mm -hmm. so for, you know, for suede, you know, I would just take a suede brush on most days after you wear them and just brush off the suede and it'll remove any like dust or dirt you've gotten on them throughout the day. And then just every now and then, if you're, if your suede gets really dirty, uh, use a suede shampoo on it and let it dry and then brush over it with your suede brush and you're pretty much good to go. So and I like to treat it. Yeah. And then definitely treat it after it's dried with a, a weatherproofing spray. That's probably, you know, I laugh with my wife um, because you know she gets a lot of loafers and, and whatnot made for from suede and she's really bad about not treating them and they're always getting filthy because they're so low to the ground. So I have to, you know, I get on, gets a pair. I'm like, give them to me, make sure you're treating them with, you know, a weatherproofing spray and, yeah. and then you're good to go. It, it, that will save a lot of suede. Yeah. And do you need to use like, like saddle soap? Is that a huge thing or not as much as, cause I usually, when I do my shoes, I usually just like, I'll wear a, like an old t-shirt and just wipe over the shoes. Um, you don't really need. Are you talking about with with suede? Oh no, just... no 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 no! Just like normal vegetable tan or. Oh, okay. Do, do you really yeah, need you can saddle soap? That. You... So I would tell people, you know, saddle soap doesn't. I, some people saddle soap their shoes every time before they polish them, and that's definitely not something you need to do. Uh, I usually save saddle soap for when your shoes look like they need to be cleaned. Okay. More deeply than just wiping over them. 
Yeah. Um, for you know, most cases, after you wear your smooth leather shoes, whether it be calf skin or Chrome XL or whatever, most of the time you could just take like a big brush, horsehair brush, and just brush over your shoes, and it'll get the dust off, and it'll yeah. also bring back the shine that you've kind of scuffed up throughout the day. Yeah. Um, that's really all you have to do most yeah. of the time. And then, you know, like I said, when your shoes get dirty or it's been several months, then you might want to, you know, clean them a little more deeply with a, a saddle soap. But definitely yeah. don't do it every time. Yeah. No, that's that's yeah, that's all I do when I get home. I take my shoes off. I just get a... I usually have my shoes on still and I brush them over because <laughs> it's sort of like a, a shoe tree. Like with your feet in, you can actually just get yeah. all of them and then you just take them off. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, that's all you have to do. Yeah. So with with shoe trees, I, I've um, I've recently got some shoe trees for my loafers. How important are they for for someone's? Uh, they're they're important. I mean, if if you've got them, you don't have to have a pair for every pair of shoes. Yeah. But I would definitely recommend um, putting them in after you wear them, and you know have some that you can rotate around because if you can be rotating your shoes, you want them to be able to sit long enough to dry out and pull some of that sweat out of your shoe keep the shape uh if they get wet then you're going to definitely want shoe trees to you know to keep them uh in shape but um yeah you you would definitely want to half and use shoe trees yeah is it it's also is it important for if you have leather soles because the leather soles can bend upwards like with the flexing of your toe and then yeah just, especially yeah. when they're wet yeah, and the shoe trees. Yeah, we see a lot of customers send us their shoes, and I can always tell which ones use shoe trees and which ones don't. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, if you put your shoe trees in, then you pretty much can keep the shape of the shoe the way it is, you know, after you, from the time you buy it. Um, when, if, when you don't use shoe trees, the shoes start to bend upward, um, yeah. and they just don't want to flatten back out, and it, it puts a lot of wrinkles along the vamp area. Um, so yeah, I can't stress enough, like he said, just how important it is to, to wear good cedar shoe trees on, on especially leather shoes. Yeah. And with, with soles, so you have your leather soles and your rubber soles. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit like you, uh, Trent, I, I like leather soles. I, I still, my, most of my shoes actually do have rubber, rubber soles, but, um, What's the, the benefits for, for both of them, like for the rubber compared to the... Just for well, rubber is obviously going to last longer. Yeah. Um, I personally find rubber to be a little heavier than mm -hmm. leather. Um, leather is going to be a little bit more comfortable quicker. Uh, it, it's going to flex and break in a little quicker. I think maybe it breeds a little easier. It breeds a little bit easier. Um, it, it's usually a little slaker because it's a little bit thinner than usually most of your rubber soles. Uh, and it's just classier. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then rubber, of course, you know, comes in handy when maybe you, you do a lot of walking, um, especially folks that live in big cities have to walk a lot. It, you know, it's more beneficial to have a rubber sole. You know, if you live in wet climates or snowy climates, rubber soles are going to be more beneficial. Um, and then a lot of people that maybe they're, have feet problems, um, you know, generally speaking, you have more options when it comes to rubber mm -hmm. that's more comfortable than a leather sole. So, you know, those are some of the benefits of, of both. Yeah. 
Okay. And and recently I've got into uh, the interest of toe taps. Uh, I've, this is only recently, probably like five days ago or three days ago. Um, is it is it worthwhile to have toe taps on your shoes? It's gonna it's gonna save you in the long run because that's the first place. The the, the pointier the toe, the quicker it's actually gonna wear out. Yeah. Um, here in Nashville, we get a lot of cowboy boots. Yeah. And cowboy boots are notorious from like wearing out um, on the toe a lot quicker. And but but it's not very traditional to put toe taps on cowboy boots. But um, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna wear the toes out a lot quicker. And, and I think, so and, yeah, and I think too is generally if it's a leather shoe or boot, you're going to see it more often. I mean, there's some people that want toe taps on their rubber sole, you know, boots or shoes too. And I just don't think it's really necessary in that yeah. case. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, other than just the aesthetic look of them, I generally think unless it's a shoe that you are going to wear a lot and you don't really plan on resoling that shoe anytime soon, then it might be worth putting toe taps but if it's a if it's a pair of shoes that you're just not going to wear that often yeah i mean I, it's it's not it's not one of those things i think you need on your shoes again unless you're wearing it a lot or you're just wanting it to look visually you know appealing yeah i yeah. don't have any toe taps on my shoes but i'm not opposed to putting them on putting them on you know a select few pair we put when they yeah. start to wear down we put a lot of them on i mean i, yeah. I put about four or five pair on today of shoes that were mailed into us so yeah you know yeah I, I, yeah yeah i just like them for the aesthetic so they just look so they do look good it gives yeah. a classy look yeah it does yeah. give a classy look to them do you have a more of a click click when you walk like you sort of uh, not quite as much on the toe as, yeah. as it is on the heel so there's some people that use they don't have them as much anymore, but I know back in the fifties and sixties, a lot of people would put like the metal ones on the back of their heels to prevent their heels from they wearing down. They called them slugs. And it was basically like your, uh, you see like a Floresheim Imperial and they got the little V cleat in the back. Yeah. Uh, those were very popular. And you can uh, hear them coming down the hallways. So. Yeah. yeah. Like, that was like that the too. thing to have in high school back in the fifties. Oh, really? Yeah. You just don't see it much anymore. Um, you know, but as far as putting them up on the toes, you know, I've had a pair before on mine and you don't hear it as much okay. as if you put it back on the heel area. Yeah. How does it, how would it go on the heel? Would you slip up? I feel like you would, if it's, yeah, yeah, um, yeah it's going to make it a lot slicker. <laughs> yeah. um, that's why those floor shime, those traditional floor shimes that actually had all leather heels <laughs> with that little metal in the corner. And yeah, you, you hit some... <laughs> some wet pavement or something and you're gonna you're gonna bust it so yeah uh yeah they'll make your shoes go on ice you can probably <laughs> yeah, ice yeah. Skate around them ice skating in the middle of summer um yeah because uh, i think you remind me of a question that so yeah because in some of the like old military boots they had like metal mm-hmm. not like studs but they're like metal into the leather um, yeah, they the, like kind of like the hold. Um, they look like a little horseshoe. Yeah, they had the uh, military rims, army rims. Um, those were very popular. I mean, those man, those go all the way back to 150 plus years ago. They were yeah. putting those on military shoes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but that was also you're not on concrete all the time, but you're on grass and yeah, all that, and and you're walking all the time. So yeah, you're gonna burn through, and they also weren't 
the 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 rubber back then wasn't as good as like you know Vibram is today. Yeah. So if you were walking on pavement, you were gonna or gravel, you were gonna tear through it a lot quicker. So yeah. it, it there was much, definitely much more of a need for those um, on army boots and yeah. back in the day army boots. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm so fascinated about like the the shoes they like wore, especially like in war, because it's just you know you can't just hey can you just resell my shoes. So so they use those metals to help prolong. Yeah, um, and you'd be surprised that even back during like our American Civil War, um, there in the the one of the Confederate armies, they actually had to pull out every soldier that in their civilian life was a shoe cobbler or a shoemaker. Yeah, and and they pulled them out of military service just to go resole uh, their comrades' shoes. <laughs> you know, they hear yeah. some leather. And they were doing half soles back then too. Um, yeah. Cut it off, stitch it on, yeah. get them back out in the field. So it was it was very common. Um, yeah. Cobblers have always served their purpose. Wow, that's and they didn't. They would have had rubber back then. Well, you probably not uh, Civil War, but yeah, rubber started really being used for military during the Civil War. Um, oh, really? Fact, okay. In um, Goodyear actually made rubber buttons for uh the u.s army uh or the, i'm sorry the u.s navy um so when they were out at sea the salt water wouldn't corrode the brass so they made uh, uniform buttons and they also made uh, ponchos rubbered um ponchos and gun blankets for uh federal soldiers and yeah. cavalry wow so yeah they by by world war ii and um world war one definitely world war ii there was a lot of rubber. We've worked on some original Marine um, boondockers that had, you know, rubber, full rubber soles and re- resold them before and some Vibram. So yeah. I love anytime I get a historical boot that gets to come in, especially if it's like, you know, authentic, I get so excited. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I, I didn't know how, I didn't, I didn't think, I didn't think that rubber was around for so long. Yeah. The vulcanization process was, uh, pretty much created and patented during the um, mid-1800s. Yeah. Well, that's, that's interesting. That's cool. Uh, so when would you take your shoes in for repair? What would you... Probably the signs that you're looking for to take them... Uh, yeah, so there's generally a couple of... or a few different areas that you'll look at. Uh, the first being up on the toe area, uh, yeah. like Keith said, there's two areas that you'll wear out the fastest on your shoes, and it's going to be the toe area and then the back of your heel, um, just because, you know, that's obviously where you're landing and then pushing off when you walk. And then the other area is right along the ball of the foot. So, Or uh, if you you have a walk, if you walk in yeah. a certain pattern and you just know that you lean to one side, you're definitely going to want to watch that one area because. Yeah, so really you just want to look at, the soles and heels of your shoes just every now and then. And you know, what you don't want to do is wear the leather sole down or the rubber sole down so much that you eat into the welt. Um, a lot of people just keep wearing it where, and they eat into the welt and then they want to have them repaired and it's going to cost a lot more because now you have to replace the welt. Um, the other place is just on your heel pads. You know, that's generally going to be the fastest place to wear down. So it's almost, I tell people heel pads are a lot like changing your tires. 
you know, before you eat into the hill block that the hill pad sits on, you'll want to change those hill pads out before you eat into the hill block. Um, those are going to be the two places that go the quickest and then followed by the, the ball of the foot area. Or like he said, you know, if you have a certain way that you walk, maybe on the side of your feet, you'll wear the sides down. Um, but like I said, you just don't ever want to eat into the welt of the shoe um, because that's when it really starts to get expensive. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at my shoes right now and the like the soles, you can't really see the stitching on the balls of the feet. That would be fine. It's just the... Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah, because so, yeah, a lot of manufacturers, like Allen Edmonds being one of them, um, they don't trench their stitches very deep. So you'll eat through those stitches relatively quickly when you start wearing them. But as long as the manufacturer, the shoe cobbler glued that sole on really well too, then then you're okay. Um, you just want to watch those spots because generally wherever the stitches are wearing the fastest, the shoe is basically telling you those are the spots that are going to wear out the fastest. Yeah. So those are the spots that you want to look at before it gets into the welt. And then before it gets to there, then you'll want to take them to your shoe cobbler and have him put on a new, a new sole. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause the, the back heel is sort of worn down. It's not, it's not approaching the, the leather block. Like cause you have the rubber. But it's probably yeah. So you've got the you've got the top lift or the hill pad. That's the yeah. part that touches the ground and has the cushion. Yeah. Um, and then that generally will sit on a on stacked leather or you know wood or whatever, and they call that the block. Yeah. Um, and that's the thick part that the pad sits on. Um, and and so you don't really want to wear into that block part. If okay. it's rubber and the, you've got a leather block you'll see it'll change color because yeah. when, when as soon as you touch it you'll start to see that creamy color of the leather yeah and it's it's okay i mean if you if you forget and you see that color change and you've touched your block yeah you can go ahead and stop then and you're not going to like damage the heel like and i mean a little millimeter is not going to do much yeah. damage but um that's usually your easiest thing or if you just get, get close and you say hey i want to go ahead and get them swapped out go ahead and get them swapped out yeah and would you would you get the full sole done, or can you just get the the heel? Well, it's going to depend on um, how often you wear them. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, and it also just depends on how you wear them. If you if you wear your heavy on the back of your feet, then you're going to wear through your heels even before you go through your soles. But if you start to, you're going to want to test your sole, want to look at where you're wearing it at the toe, around the edge, the ball of the foot. You'll want to, you can push in on the sole. And if it's real spongy, that means you're probably going to go ahead and break through pretty soon. There's not a whole lot of leather left. And then you might want to just go ahead and do it. But if it still feels like it's really stiff, then it's not expensive to have your heels redone. Yeah. So. Okay. And 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 on a Blake stitch shoe, I'm looking at my ones. The how do you tell if you go into the welt? Because it's kind of hard to because the leather sole is quite thin on loafers. So um, so yeah. So sometimes on Blake stitch shoes, they don't always have a welt on Blake okay, stitch yeah. shoes. Sometimes you will. A lot of times you won't. Um, on a lot of Blake stitch shoes, they simply put the entire sole directly onto the upper or the uh, the insole and then stitch it in so on a blake stitch you you're definitely going to watch out want to watch for your wear patterns uh more so than a a goodyear welt because it'll it's easier to start eating into the actual upper 
uh, depending on how close it is at the ground. So, um, and if your shoe um, doesn't have a toe puff, like a, you've got a Blake Stitch loafer, and it there's no stiff toe, it's just kind of floppy, you know, like a like a, a Weijin. Yeah, that's or what mine's like. Like a yeah. Gucci. Yeah, then uh, you're gonna it's gonna want to fold in your toe the upper is actually gonna want to fold down over the edge of the sole and strike the ground so you'll just want to be careful because you'll actually wear a hole through the toe of the upper um, and it's gonna get more so as the sole gets thinner yeah yeah because I can see on the toe <laughs> it's quite thin the leather it's probably I don't know like eight millimeters thick not very yeah, piece of... that's why like uh, shoes like driving mocks, they always wear out at the toe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now thanks for that because uh, it's, it's yeah, it is. It's hard to to know when you know, when you see the stitch, like when you see it wearing through the stitches, you're like, oh, should I get it resold or? But now that makes a lot more sense. You, you guys do have yeah, it. So... Go on. Yeah, some people will panic, you know, when those stitches start to wear through. But yeah, again, is you know, as long as you have plenty of sole left, uh, that's generally going to be the one of the first things to go is that stitching. But yeah. as long as it's glued on well, then then you're fine. Yeah, I just remembered you you, you you probably wouldn't do this, but could you put toe taps on loafers? Just I thought, I mean, on on Blake stitch on Blake stitch. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yep. So I was gonna get you guys to rate my shoe collection, so I'll. Uh, <laughs> That's what I right. just want to get your expert opinion. First shoes I got are some RM Williams. So I got these like two years ago. What's your have you ever dealt with RM William boots at all? Yeah, quite a few of them. Yeah. Are they because I know that they don't they don't have yeah. a metal they don't have a steel shank. I know they have a sort of like a plastic like sort of shank. Um, yeah, I was going to say as a whole, uh, it's been a while since I've had some RM Williams here, but yeah, I was going to say as a whole, the, they're, they're pretty well constructed, um, boots. Uh, I think most of them are good. You're welted. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe the, uh, the hill blocks are stacked leather, which is a, a good thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as a whole, it's, those are good quality boots. Yeah. You come to Australia, you, uh, they're very popular oh. boot. Yeah, I know that. I know the Aussies love Arm. Every time I talk to an Aussie, that that's the first thing they always say is, "Have you heard of Arm Williams?" I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> yeah, they're um, they're so easy. Like the the shoes I have, none of them have laces, so it's uh, yeah, yeah. it's so they're easy. Very, they're very simple. It's almost like a Chelsea boot, you know. You yeah. just slip it on. I think they're the they're probably, in my opinion, I'm not sure if I'm if I'm biased or not, but I think they're the best looking Chelsea boot I reckon. Yeah, it's definitely more of a masculine-looking Chelsea, yeah. um, I, which it's a little more robust, which I like. Yeah, yeah, and I also got like a, a black pair as well. Although I don't really wear as mm -hmm. much as the the brown pair. Um, so the next shoes I got these are the Blake Stitch ones. So these are the I bought these. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, two years ago. So they they're from Spain, but I got I don't know how. Yeah, so they're from Spain. And uh, they're an interesting story with these. I'm not sure if you can. They look. That looks like a good quality shoe. It, the, from what I can tell, the the uppers or the leather looks pretty nice quality too. Yeah. Yep. That's a good they're, shoe. They're um yeah because I, when I got them they were too small and I and I actually put them on to 
marketplace to sell them and then I realized you can actually get them stretched so I got them stretched and now they're fine <laughs> and then the the last pair is just like a Thursday boot uh, th yeah Thursday boot yep. loafer yeah and uh yeah so they're my yeah, I think the Thursdays, I think they're sh all of their shoes are good year welted too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they are. Yeah, these ones are. And it sort of yeah. has the, the rubber, um, like the rubber pads. Yeah, the little, the, yeah, for a little traction. The inner sole is sort of like a, it's not as breathable as the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of those that have like the, uh, the little studded rubber things on there too, uh, I've noticed is because what holds those little rubber studs on is a big flat piece of rubber hidden up underneath the leather. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of given cutting out as much breathability, you know, by having those on there, but it, but it also gives more traction. Yeah. And you can get them like, when I get them resold, I was just going to take it off and put a leather sole on it. It's not oh, yeah. a big issue. Yeah. You have a lot of different options, um, when you have them resold. So, yeah. So it's a good quality little shoe collection. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, you know, most people, you don't need a lot of shoes. Yeah, uh, you know, exactly. There's some people we know that we've talked to, man, you, you know, that's just their passion. They've got 50, 100 pairs. Yeah. Um, you know, but no, I mean, for most guys, you know, three, four pair of just different shoes that you can wear in different situations or different environments. And, you know, like I said, just make sure they're good quality shoes, like the ones, you you know, that you own there. Um, you know, all of those that you had, yeah, you'll be able to resold those quite a number of times. So you'll yeah. definitely get your money back and, you know, it's a much higher quality shoes than, you know, getting something that, like I said, is made out of pleather or something like that, that <laughs> yeah. just can't be fixed at all if anything happens to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what shoes do you wear? Cause you've been, you're around gorgeous shoes every day, <laughs> you know, high end <laughs> shoes. What yeah. do you... So it's funny, but uh, I, and I was talking the other day when I was working in corporate world, of course, I wore a lot more of my dress shoes than I do now. So sometimes I miss being able to wear all of my nicer shoes. Um, yeah. But I think, I mean, both of us around the shop most days wear boots. Um, you know, we've got Thursdays. Um, I've got a pair of Clarks on right now. Um We've got some Wolverines. You know, I've got quite a, I guess Heath does too. I mean, we've got quite a collection of different boots. Um, quite some, you know, quite a few companies have sent us boots to do reviews on that we've, we've kept. Um, and then I guess dress you wise, you know, I've got Crockett and Jones and quite a few Allen Edmonds. Uh, yeah, just a hodgepodge of stuff. So yeah. Uh, TLB Mallorca is another brand. Uh, we've gotten quite a few from them and Miraman. So there's a lot, a lot of brands. Like I said, my closet's filling up, but unfortunately, I just, we just don't get a chance to wear them as often. Yeah, taking care of them must be a fun job. Well, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, because I don't get to wear them as often, they usually sit in shoe bags or whatever in my yeah. closet. So you know, they're ready to go on most cases when I need them. Yeah. Um, probably end with this one. Do you think education is training? I mean, is sorry, I'll repeat the question. Do you think education is changing? So, with I know with me with leather work, I've a lot of the leather work I've learned was actually just like watching YouTube and like 
repetition over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Do you think, like with YouTube, I, I yeah, I think you mean in, in, in teaching people uh, like what? skills or people yeah. learning? Yeah. Oh man, absolutely. We were having this conversation <laughs> the other day, and you were um, a former teacher. So. Yeah, I'm a former teacher, and um, we we both went to college. I've got a master's degree, and I, I'm just thinking about should I have even done that? You know, am I using my degree now? I mean, I guess you could say I've used some aspects of it, but I think there's so many people who think that a college, a four year degree is the end all be all. And I, I don't think that's true. Especially think, in today's world. Yeah. Cause to your point, there's so many courses, so many videos on our computers now, whether it be YouTube or whatever, that if you if you have an interest in a subject, you can research that subject and watch videos, and you have all of the resources in the world right at the palm of your hand. Yeah, um, it's incredible. I can't, you know, like same thing. I mean, I'm on YouTube all the time watching things that interest me, you know, other than shoes, and I've learned a ton about different things that I'd never known before without having to go to a library, check out a book, try to find a teacher that note could teach me, and now I'm watching masters at their craft right here on videos and I learn a lot from it. So yeah. we're actually going to do a video on that same subject, but in regards to shoe cobblers here soon. Uh, but it digs into that exact question. Um, I mean, if you think about it back, even when our parents were in high school and beyond, they used to have, they taught trades mm. and, and everybody, they've killed the trade industry. Yeah. At least here in the U.S. At least, yeah, yeah, at least here in the U.S. Yeah, same in Australia. And, and everything is, oh, you got to go to college, you know. And mm. and there's so many things that, like, I, I never even thought, hey, they could have, do an apprenticeship in, you know, Europe or where, uh, maybe even somewhere here in the U.S. Because you don't think about those things. Um, and I actually believe there's kind of a resurgence yeah. in yeah. trades because of a lot of these online videos. I, yeah. I can't tell you how many emails we get each month from people that see our videos and asking, Hey, I live over in such and such country. Can you ever, can I fly over there and do an apprenticeship with you? You know, so there's definitely interest out there worldwide now Mm -hmm. in a lot of these trades. And because of these videos, I think a lot of people are going to start. It's, it, it brings to light a lot of different job opportunities and trades that maybe people weren't made aware of beforehand yeah yeah Yeah, i think i think the the formal side of education is is changing because it's like you have to go to a class you have your different modules you have to complete whereas like you can just watch a video and just go into your shed and just do the practical aspects of it and just (laughs) yeah yeah no better experience than just working with your hand and you know trial and error or or teaming up with somebody who does that and watching them do it yeah i've seen other youtubers um that one of them, I think his channel's Rose Anvil. Um, yeah, I've, and, yeah, I've seen him. Yeah, yeah, and he's he. I know Weston, the guy that does that, and he's reached out and told us he's done a couple of resole videos. And I was like, where did you learn how to do that? Because it was actually quite impressive. And he said that he had watched ours and a couple of other shoe cobblers' videos just over and over and over mm. until he felt confident enough to try it himself. And yeah. he wound up doing a pretty good job. So. To your point, I, I think it's it's becoming easier for people to learn things because of the the visibility brought forth by you yeah. know online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a there's this leather crafter I'm going to speak to next this week. No, next week, 
and there was a belt that I wanted to make of his because I, I thought his belts were beautiful and literally I watched like every single scene of the video like in explicit detail and I managed to make the belt it wasn't obviously as good as his but it just goes to show like if you just watch you know you just yeah you just see what the person does and you copy it and you just sort of refine your skills it's yeah you know you can get there it's, yeah, yeah and then you're able to then you're like you said you're able to refine it or tweak things and kind of make it your own at that yeah. point you know yeah um, and start kind of going down a different avenue of your own so yeah it's i, I love it I, I think it's it's opening up different opportunities for people worldwide that yeah. maybe they hadn't seen before yeah yeah i definitely want i'd like to get into to resoling shoes so you have to post post some in-depth video so i can actually watch <laughs> actually <laughs> yeah definitely Actually, well, I was gonna say, yeah, contact us and let us know, and um, yeah, we'll maybe we'll do a little tutorial for you sometime. Yeah, oh, definitely. Actually, do you, if you do resole yourself, do you need many tools to do it? Like, because you, you guys have like the full like sanding machines and yeah. So the machinery, obviously, the automatic machinery makes things faster. Yeah, and a lot of times easier. Um, so when I need when you when you have when it comes time to sand the side or the edge of the sole. Obviously, I can be done with it, you know, in two or three minutes when I'm using a machine. When if you're doing it by hand, you're going to be there for a long time hand sanding it. Yeah. Um, so there are some advantages, but it's mostly just speed. But you have to remember, you know, most people that make shoes, um, you know, hand done bespoke shoes, and especially people that made shoes 100 years ago, didn't have machinery. They were all doing it by hand. Yeah, so, that's true. Um, and also most of the tools that, that cobblers use, that shoemakers use, are still the same tools that they were using 100, 200 years ago. Yeah. Um, not much has really changed when it comes to the shoe arena. Mm -hmm. um, we have a lot of hand tools here, and we try to use a lot of them in our videos so that people can see them. Yeah, I but like those, your tools. I like some your of those hand tools are decades old. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when it comes to being able to resole shoes, you can definitely do it using just your hands. It may just take longer than if you have a lot of the, you know, modern amenities like shoe presses and sanding yeah. belts and stuff yeah. like that. What, what glue do you use? Because I've sort of... So the shoe, I mean, there's several different brands we use, but we get this question a lot from people as well. Uh, usually it's just a contact cement. Yeah. Um, because you usually want to be able to coat both sides of whatever you're going to stick together. Yeah. And then let it dry a little bit. And then when you push them together, it's really strong. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's kind of, it's pretty much just contact cement, but maybe just tweaked a little bit for leather and rubber. Is it quite strong, the smell of it? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it can get quite strong, but we've got, um, in our shop, we've got some ventilation systems oh, that are made yeah. to kind of get that smell out. But yeah, yeah, it can get pretty, there's definitely some strong <laughs> leather and glue smells in cobbler shops. Yeah. Nah, so uh, nah, thanks for both coming on the show. I hope to talk to you again. In yeah. The, and best of luck. Well, thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it.